Section twenty of Under Drake's Flag. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Under Drake's Flag: A Tale of the Spanish Main by George Alfred Henty. Chapter nineteen: South Sea Idols when order and tranquillity were perfectly restored the admiral ordered a boat to be lowered and soundings to be taken intending to put out the anchors ahead and to get her off by working upon them with the windlass it was found however that under the forefoot of the vessel the water deepened so rapidly that at a distance of a few fathoms no soundings could be obtained this plan therefore was abandoned the prospect seemed dark indeed the ship's boats would at most only carry half the men on board and if the ship had to be abandoned the whole of her treasures must be lost as well as many lives there is an island far away to the south the admiral said if the worst come we must seek refuge on that it will be well to send a boat to examine it and see what capabilities it offers for the purpose then if the weather holds fair we can make several trips and land our men and a portion at least of our valuables will you let me go sir with my three friends ned asked the canoe which we took from our last halting place will carry the four of us and as she paddles swiftly we may be back before many hours the idea is a good one captain drake said make for the island it is i should say fifteen miles off when you have reached it see if there be water fuel and other necessaries and whether the landing be good if you should come upon any natives parley with them take a few articles as presents and explain to them if they will come out here with their canoes and aid to bring the things ashore we will give them presents which will make them wealthy beyond their grandest dreams be careful my boys i know that you will be brave if necessary but care and caution are the great things and remember that our safety depends upon yours the young men speedily lowered the canoe under the shelter of the lee side of the ship took some beads calicoes and other articles and then seating themselves in the boat paddled rapidly away at first they felt a little awkward in using the paddles in which they had had no practice whatever but being powerful men and accustomed to the use of oars they soon fell into regular stroke and the light boat danced rapidly over the waters the distance was further than captain drake had imagined the clearness of the air making the land appear nearer than it really was and it was only after three hours of hard work that they neared it it turned out to be an island of about a mile in length so far as they could judge a reef of coral ran round it the centre of the island was somewhat elevated and was covered with coconut trees and it was this alone which had enabled it to be seen from so great a distance from the deck of the golden hind paddling round the reef they came to an opening and entering this found themselves in perfectly smooth water and were soon on shore our best way to look for water ned said 
will be to follow the beach all round the island if there is any stream we must then come upon it we had better take our arms and haul up the canoe ned although the youngest of the party being an officer of the ship was naturally in command it will be hard reuben said if we do not meet with some adventure this is the first time that i have been out with you ned the others have had their share and it will be hard upon me if when i get home i have not some tale to tell my friends i hope that it will not be so ned said for more than story-telling depends upon our success i fear the golden hind is fixed fast and that all the fruits of our expedition are lost even if our lives be saved everything depends upon the report we may make when we return and anything that should occur to delay us or to prevent our bearing back tidings of this place to the admiral would be bad fortune indeed i don't mean reuben said anything that would prevent our returning but we might do something and yet return safely a walk round the island showed no signs of water nor although they searched for some hours walking backwards and forwards across it could they find any sign of a pool it was clear that there were no fresh water springs on the island and that the vegetation depended entirely upon the rain that fell in the regular season but they discovered from the top of the island another and much larger one lying still again some fifteen miles to the south after much deliberation they determined to make for this as it was of importance that they should have some news of a place to which the goods could be transported to carry back to the ship this island was much higher and there appeared every probability that water and all they required would be found there accordingly taking their place in the canoe they again paddled through the entrance to the reef and steered their course for their new discovery this was a large island measuring at least as they judged from the view of the one side 20 miles round the shores were steep and they rode for some time before they succeeded in finding a place where a landing could be effected then a deep bay suddenly opened out and into this they rode scarcely had they fairly entered it when from some bushes near the shore two large war canoes crowded with natives shot out and made towards them the lads at first grasped their muskets but ned said let the arms be we are here to make peace with the natives and must take our chance they stood up in the canoe holding up their arms in token of amity the canoes came alongside at racing pace the natives uttering yells of joy the canoe had evidently been seen approaching the island and preparations had been made to seize it immediately on its arrival ned held up in his hands the beads and pieces of cloth but the natives were too excited for pause or negotiation in an instant the boys were seized and placed on board the canoes two in each they were tenderly handled and were clearly objects of veneration rather than of hostility the moment that they were on board the contents of the canoe were transferred to the large boat and it was then cast adrift and the two war boats at full speed made out through the passage ned endeavored in vain to attract the attention of the leaders of the savages to his gestures and to explain to them that there was a vessel from which he had come at a short distance off and that if they would accompany him thither 
they would obtain large quantities of the beads and cloth which he showed them the natives however were too much excited to pay any attention to his efforts and with a sigh of despair he sat down by the side of reuben who was in the same boat with him as the canoes on emerging from the bay turned their heads to the southwest and paddled steadily and rapidly away from the island whither can they be going to take us reuben said they must belong to some other island ned answered and be a war party which has come on plundering purposes here what a misfortune what terribly bad luck they have clearly never seen white men before and regard us as superior beings and so far as we are concerned it is probable that our lives are saved but what will the admiral think when night comes on and we do not return what will become of our comrades and at the thought of their messmates left without help in so perilous a position ned fairly broke down and cried for some hours the natives continued their course without intermission and gradually an island which had at first seemed like a low cloud on the horizon loomed up nearer and nearer and at last just as night fell they landed upon its shores here in a bay a village of huts constructed of the boughs of trees had been raised and the arrival of the war canoes was greeted with wild and prolonged cries by the women and children all prostrated themselves in wonder and astonishment when the white men in their strange attire were brought on shore and ned saw that his suspicions were correct and that they were regarded by their captors as gods further proof was given of this when they were escorted to a large shed composed of a roof of thatch supported on four upright posts which stood in the centre of the village under this were placed some of the hideous effigies which the south sea islanders worship and which are affixed to the prow of their boats and may be seen in the british museum and in other places where collections of indian curiosities are exhibited these effigies were carved in the shape of human beings with enormous goggle eyes splashes of bright paint and strange and immense headdresses of brilliant colors here the lads were motioned to sit down and the natives brought them offerings of cocos and other fruits the boys could hardly help laughing at their strange position surrounded by these hideous idols you wanted an adventure reuben and you have got one indeed ned said you are translated into a heathen god and if you ever get home will have your story to tell which will astonish the quiet firesides in devonshire ought we not to refuse to accept this horrid worship gerald said i think not ned replied it can do no harm and we are at least better than these wooden idols so long at least as we are taken for gods our lives are safe but i would not say as much if they once became convinced by our actions that we are men like themselves but we cannot sit here all our lives among these idols reuben said i agree with you there reuben but patience does wonders and i am not troubled in the least about ourselves sooner or later a way of escape will present itself and when it does be assured that we will use it patience is all that we require now it is of our poor shipmates that i am thinking as night fell great bonfires were lighted the natives indulged in wild dances round them 
and feasting and festivities were kept up all through the night four watches were stationed one at each post of the temple and the boys saw that for the present at least all thought of escape was out of the question and therefore stretching themselves at full length on the sand they were speedily asleep for some days the position remained unchanged the boys were well fed and cared for offerings of fruit fish and other eatables were duly presented a perfumed wood which according to the native ideas personified incense was burned in large quantities round the temple and nearly choked the boys with its smoke upon the fifth day it was clear that some expedition was being prepared four large war canoes were dragged down and placed in the water and the great idols which stood in the bow of each were removed and carried up to the temple and placed there in position then the boys were motioned to come down to the beach i do believe said tom bursting into a shout of laughter that they are going to put us in the bows of their canoes in place of their old gods the others joined in the laughter for to act as the figurehead of a canoe was indeed a comical if an unpleasant situation when they reached the boats the boys saw that their suspicions were correct and that the natives were preparing to lash them to the lofty prows which rose some twelve feet above the water in a sweep inwards this will never do tom said if we are fastened like that our weight will cut us horribly let us show them how to do it whereupon with great gravity he took a large piece of flat wood and motioned to the savages to lash this in front of the bow of one of the boats at a height of three feet above the water so as to afford a little platform upon which he could stand the natives at once perceived the drift of what he was doing and were delighted that their new deities should evince such readiness to fall in with their plans the additions were made at once to the four canoes but while this was being done some of the leading chiefs with every mark of deference approached the boys with colored paints and motioned to them that they would permit them to deck them in this way again the boys indulged in a hearty laugh and stripping off their upper garments to the immense admiration of the natives they themselves applied paint in rings zigzags and other forms on their white shirts painted a large saucer-like circle round the eyes with vermilion so as to give themselves something the appearance of the great idols and having thus transmogrified themselves each gravely took his place upon his perch where leaning back against the prow behind them they were by no means uncomfortable if these fellows are going as i expect upon a war expedition ned shouted to his friends as the boats keeping regularly abreast rowed off from the island amidst a perfect chaos of sounds of yells beatings of rough drums made of skins stretched across hollow trunks of trees and of the blowing of conch shells our position will be an unpleasant one but we must trust to circumstances to do the best at any rate we must wish that our friends conquer for the next party if we fall into their hands might take it into their heads that we are devils instead of gods and it might fare worse with us it was manifest as soon as they started that the object of the expedition was not the island upon which they had been captured 
but one lying away to the south it was a row of several hours before they approached it as they did so they saw columns of smoke rise from several points on the shore and knew that their coming there was observed by the islanders presently six canoes equally large with their own and crowded with men were observed pulling out and yells of defiance came across the water it is clear tom said that this island is stronger than our own and that it is only on the strength of our miraculous presence that the islanders expect to conquer their foes for they would never with four canoes venture to attack a place of superior force unless they deemed that their victory was certain with wild yells which were answered boldly from their own canoes the enemy approached and the combat began with a general discharge of arrows then the canoes rowed into each other and a general and desperate hand-to-hand -hand combat commenced the enthusiasm with which the inmates of the boys canoes were animated at first gave them the superiority and they not only beat back the attacks of their foes but leaping into their enemies boats succeeded in clearing two of them of their occupants numbers however told and the enemy were with very heavy clubs and spears pointed with sharp shells gradually forcing the adventurers back when ned saw that a little supernatural interference was desirable to bring matters straight again giving the word to his friends he stood up on his perch and swinging himself round alighted in the boat giving as he did so a loud british cheer which was answered by that of his comrades then with his arms erect he began to move along the benches of the canoe towards the conflict which was raging on either side the sudden interference of the four deities at the head of the boat was received with a yell of terror by the natives who were attacking them which was increased when the boys each seizing a club from the hands of a native jumped into the enemy's canoes and began to lay about them with all their strength this was however required but for a moment the sight of so terrible and unexampled an apparition appalled the islanders who springing overboard with yells of despair swam rapidly towards land leaving their boats in the hands of the victors these indulged in wild yells of triumph knelt before their good geniuses and then taking their places paddled towards the shore before they had reached it however the defeated savages had landed and running up to their village had borne the news of the terrible apparitions which had taken part against them the conquerors on reaching the village found it deserted plundered it of a few valuables carried down all their enemies gods in triumph into the canoes and then having fired the huts started again with the ten canoes towards their own island their triumphant arrival at the village was received with frantic excitement and enthusiasm the sight of six canoes towed in by the four belonging to the place was greeted with something of the same feeling which in nelson's time portsmouth more than once experienced upon an english vessel arriving with two captured french frigates of size superior to herself and when the warriors informed their relatives of the interposition of the white gods in their favour the latter rose to an even higher estimation in public opinion than before they were escorted to their shrine with wild dancing and gesticulation and great heaps of fruit fish 
and other luxuries were offered to them in token of the gratitude of the people but this was not all a few hours later a solemn council was held on the seashore and after a time a great hurrying to and fro was visible in the village then to the sound of their wild music with dancing brandishing of spears and the emission of many wild yells the whole population moved up towards the shrine what can they be going to do now tom said some fresh piece of homage i should guess i do wish they would leave us alone it is annoying enough to be treated as a god without being disturbed by these constant worshippings when the crowd arrived before the shed they separated and in the midst were discovered four girls on their heads were wreaths of flowers and their necks and arms were loaded with necklaces and shells and other ornaments don't laugh you fellows said ned but i do believe they have brought us four wives in token of their gratitude the lads had the greatest difficulty in restraining themselves from marring the effect of the solemnity by ill-timed laughter but they put a great restraint upon themselves and listened gravely while the chief made them a long harangue and pointed to the four damsels who elated at the honor of being selected but somewhat shy at being the centre of the public gaze evidently understood that the village had chosen them to be the wives of the gods although the boys could not understand the words of the speaker there was no question as to his meaning and they consulted together as to the best steps to be taken under the circumstances we must temporize said tom it would never do for them to consider themselves slighted after a short consultation they again took their places in a solemn row in front of the shed reuben who was the tallest and most imposing of the set and who was evidently considered by the villagers to be the leading deity then addressed a long harangue to the chief and villagers he beckoned to the four girls who timidly advanced and one knelt at the feet of each of the whites then reuben motioned that a hut must be built close to the shrine and pointing to the sun he traced its way across the sky and made a mark upon the ground this he repeated fourteen times signifying that the girls must be shut up in the hut and guarded safely for that time after which the nuptials would take place you are quite sure ned he said pausing and turning round to his friend that we shall be able to make our attempt to escape before the end of fourteen days because it would be fearful indeed if we were to fail and to find ourselves compelled to marry these four heathen women we will certainly try before the fourteen days are up reuben but with what success of course we cannot say but if we lay our plans well we ought to manage to get off the villagers readily understood the harangue of reuben and without delay the whole scattered into the wood and returning with bundles of palm leaves and some strong posts at once began to erect the hut fires were lighted as the evening came on and before they ceased their labor the hut was finished during this time the girls had remained sitting patiently in front of the shrine the lads now offered them their hand and escorted them with grave ceremony to the hut the palm leaves which did service as a door were placed before it and the boys proceeded to dance one after the other in solemn order fourteen times round the hut 
they then signified to the natives that provisions fruit and water must be daily brought for the use of their future wives and having made another harangue thanked the natives for their exertions and signifying future protection and benefits they retired under the shelter of the shed and the village subsided to its ordinary state of tranquillity there are two difficulties in the way of making our escape ned said in the first place it is useless to think of leaving this island until we have a sufficient stock of provisions and water to put in a canoe to last us until we can get back to the ternate did we put into any island on the way our position might be ten times as bad as it is now here at least we are well treated and honored and did we choose could no doubt live here in a sort of heathen comfort for the rest of our lives just as many white sailors on the western isles have turned natives and given up all thought of ever returning to their own country the golden hind was four days on her journey from ternate to the place where she refitted another two to the spot where she went on the reef the wind was very light and her speed was not above five knots an hour we should be able to paddle back in the course of ten days and must take provision sufficient for that time the first point of course will be to find whether the old ship is still on the reef if she is not there she may have succeeded in getting off or she may have gone to pieces i trust however that the admiral who is full of resource has managed to get her off in safety he will no doubt have spent a day or two in looking for us but finding no signs of us in the island to which we were sent or in the other lying in sight to the southward he would have shaped his way for the cape the first difficulty then is to procure sufficient provisions the next is to make our escape unseen the four natives who day and night watch at the corners of this shed mean it as a great honor no doubt but like many other honors it is an unpleasant one our only plan will be to seize and gag them suddenly each pouncing upon one then there is the fear that the natives who are i must say the most restless sleepers i ever saw may in their wanderings up to look at us find that we are gone before we are fairly beyond reach of pursuit for one of their great canoes will travel at least two feet to our one hitherto we have only taken such provisions from the piles they have offered us as were sufficient for our day's wants and left the rest for them to take away again next morning in future we had best each day abstract a considerable quantity and place it conspicuously in the centre of this shed the people will perhaps wonder but will probably conclude that we are laying it by to make a great feast upon our wedding day as to water we must do with the calabashes which they bring the day before and with the milk which the cocos contain and which is to the full as quenching as water with a good number of cocos we ought to be able to shift for some days without other food and there is indeed an abundance of juice in many of the other fruits which they offer us this program was carried out every morning the lads danced in solemn procession round the hut lessening their rounds by one each day daily the heap of fruit dried fish and vegetables under the shed increased and the natives who believed that their new deities were intent upon the thoughts of marriage 
had no suspicion whatever of any desire on their part to escape having settled how to prevent their escape being detected before morning they accustomed themselves to go to sleep with the cloths woven of the fibre of the palm with which the natives had supplied them pulled over their heads seven days after the fight with the other islanders the lads judged that the pile of provisions was sufficiently large for their purpose and determined upon making the attempt that night a canoe of about the size that they desired which had been used during the day for fishing lay on the shore close to the water's edge they waited until the village was fairly hushed in sleep an hour later they believed that the four guards or worshippers for it struck them that their attendants partook partly of both characters were beginning to feel drowsy and each of the boys having furnished himself with a rope of twisted coconut fibre stole quietly up to one of these men to place their hands over their mouths to seize and throw them upon their faces was but the work of a moment and was accomplished without the least noise the natives being paralyzed by the sudden and unexpected assault a piece of wood was shoved into the mouth of each as a gag and secured by a string passing round the back of the head and holding it in its place their arms and legs were tied and they were set up against the posts in the same position they had before occupied four of the great effigies were then taken from their places and laid down upon the ground and covered over with the mats so that to any casual observer they presented exactly the same appearance as the boys sleeping there then loading themselves with provisions the boys stole backwards and forwards quietly to the boat once they had to pause as a sleepless native came out from his hut walked up to the shrine and bowed himself repeatedly before the supposed deities fortunately he perceived nothing suspicious and did not notice the constrained attitude of the four guardians when he retired the boys continued their work and soon had the whole of the shore of cocos and other provisions in the canoe together with some calabashes of water then with some difficulty they launched the boat and taking their places paddled quietly away from the island once fairly beyond the bay they laid themselves to their work and the light boat sped rapidly across the waters in order that they might be sure of striking the point where they had left the ship they made first for the island where they had been captured and when day broke were close to it they then shaped their course northward and after two hours paddling were in sight of the low island which they had first visited by noon they had reached the spot where as they judged the golden hind had gone on the reef but no sign whatever of her was to be discovered by the position in which the island they had left lay they were sure that although they might be two or three miles out in their direction they must be within sight of the vessel were she still remaining as they had left her there had been no great storm since she had grounded and it was unlikely therefore that she could have gone entirely to pieces this afforded them great ground for hope that she had beaten off the reef and proceeded on her voyage hitherto they had been buoyed up with the expectation of again meeting their friends but they now felt a truly unselfish pleasure at the thought that their comrades and admiral had escaped the peril 
which threatened the downfall of their hopes and the termination of an enterprise fairly and successfully carried out so far there was nothing now for them but to make for ternate they found no difficulty whatever in doing without water their thirst being amply quenched by the milk of the cocos and the juice of the guavas and other fruits they paddled for two days longer working steadily all day and far into the night and passed one or two islands in the course of the next day's passage they went within a short distance of another and were horrified at seeing from the narrow bay a large war canoe come out and make rapidly towards them they had already talked over what would be their best course in such a contingency and proceeded at once to put their plans into action they had at starting taken with them a supply of the paints used in their decoration and with these they proceeded to touch up the colouring on their faces and white shirts and on the strange ornaments which had been affixed to their heads two of them now took their place one at the stern and the other at the bow of the canoe the other two stood up and paddled very quietly and slowly along and as the canoe approached rapidly the four broke into a song one of the old devonshire catches which they had often sung together on board ship the war canoe as it approached gradually ceased paddling the aspect of this small boat paddling quietly along and taking no heed of their presence filled its occupants with surprise but when the way on their canoe drifted them close to it and they were enabled to see the strange character of the freight a panic of astonishment and alarm seized them that a boat navigated by four gods should be seen proceeding calmly along the ocean alone was a sight for which indian legend gave them no precedent whatever and after gazing for a while in a superstitious dread at the strange spectacle they turned their boat's head and paddled rapidly back to shore for an hour or two the boys continued their course in the same leisurely manner but when once convinced that they were out of sight of their late visitors they again sat down and the four stretched themselves to their work on the evening of that day there was a heavy mist upon the water the stars were with difficulty seen through it and the lads were all convinced that a change of weather was at hand before nightfall had set in an island had been seen at a short distance to the north and they decided at once to make for this as if caught in mid-ocean by a storm they had little hope of weathering it in a craft like that in which they were placed although the natives habituated to them were able to keep the sea in very rough weather in these little craft which to an english eye appeared no safer than cockle shells the boys rowed with all their strength in the direction in which the island lay but before they reached it sharp puffs of wind struck the water and the steerage of the canoe became extremely difficult presently however they heard the sound of a dull roar and knew that this was caused by the slow heaving swell of which they were already sensible breaking upon the beach ten minutes later they were close to the shore had it been daylight they would have coasted round the island to search for a convenient spot for landing but the wind was already rising so fast that they deemed it better to risk breaking up their canoe than to run the hazard of being longer upon the sea waiting therefore for a wave they sped forward with all their strength there was a crash 
and then they all leaped out together and seizing the canoe ran her up on the beach before the next wave arrived i fear she has knocked a great hole in her bottom reuben said never mind ned replied we shall be able to make a shift to mend it the great point now is to drag it up so high among the bushes that it will not be noticed in the morning by any natives who may happen to be about until this storm is over at any rate we have got to shelter here the canoe laden as she was with provisions was too heavy to drag up but the boys emptying her out lifted her on their shoulders and carried her inland until at a distance of some sixty or seventy yards they entered a grove of coconut trees here they laid her down and made two journeys back to the beach to fetch up their provisions and then took refuge in the grove thankful that they had escaped on shore in time for scarcely had they landed when the hurricane which had been brewing burst with terrific force seas of immense height came rolling in upon the shore the trees of the grove waved to and fro before it and shook the heavy nuts down with such force that the boys were glad to leave it and to lie down on the open beach rather than to run the risk of having their skulls fractured by these missiles from above the sound of the wind deadened their voices and even by shouting they could not make themselves heard now and then above the din of the storm was heard the crash of some falling tree and even as they lay they were sometimes almost lifted from the ground by the force of the wind for twenty-four hours the hurricane continued and then cleared as suddenly as it had commenced the lads crept back to the grove refreshed themselves with the contents of two or three cocos apiece and then lying down under the canoe which they had taken the precaution of turning bottom upwards enjoyed a peaceful sleep till morning End of chapter 19